Shall I use the hat? Oh, there we are. I just haven't got the touch. That's what it is. Okay, again, you're really welcome if you're here. If you're here this morning, you're really, you're really welcome, all of you who are here this morning. And if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Luke 4, 1 to 13, we're going to be continuing in our series in Luke, exploring who Jesus is. And in today's um, message, we're going to be looking at this accounts where Jesus, interesting accounts, where Jesus is tempted by the devil for 40 days in the wilderness. Very interesting passage, and it teaches us a lot. Please do use the devotionals this week. If you go to our website, click on teaching, you'll find the devotionals in there. There'll be more detail each each day. And also Lucy writes one on a Wednesday as well. So you'll enjoy those, I trust, and you also you'll get more deeply into these messages. Because I think it, 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 things need to be digested. A simple message on a Sunday morning, I trust, will be helpful to you. But really, we need to be in the week digesting and thinking more about the message and getting into the Bible more generally. And that, that devotional will help you to do that. But this account is, is, is rich. It's, 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 so, it's got so much in it. But basically, it's teaching us, firstly, that Jesus is the victor. And you may not even be aware of these things. But if, you, if you're not a Christian or you're not aware of these things, you've probably heard of the devil. Yeah, you've probably heard of the devil. The Bible paints a picture that, the, that there are demonic and dark powers at work in this world, in all aspects of this world. That's why there's so much suffering and, and, and sin, what we call sin, wrongdoing, hatred, uh, racism, you name it, caused by sin, our sin, and demonic powers at work, seeking to bring division. And what we're seeing in this account with Jesus and the devil is like a snapshot of something where Jesus overcomes the devil. And we're going to see how he does that. But this is a, the idea being is this, that Jesus is, is ultimately the victor who will destroy in time all the powers of darkness. And he is in process of restoring the world. That's quite a big idea. I appreciate that. But you're going to see that in this story. Jesus is defeating Satan, and that's what he's doing. He's the victor, working to destroy, ultimately, all the powers of darkness. That's what we believe as Christians. But also, a secondary thing we learn is how we ourselves need to understand that we are in a fight with dark and demonic powers, that assault our minds and bodies and our lives. We need to be aware of this. 
and we need to learn how, like Christ, we can have victory and how we can deal with the powers of darkness in our world. So those two things are going on here. We're seeing the great victory of Jesus and ultimately, and also how we can be like Christ and have victory ourselves. Let's turn to Luke 4, 1 to 13. Let me read to you that text. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Surprise, surprise. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell these this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in, in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, if you give, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you will worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Father, I pray as we spend some time now in your word, you know each one of us. Holy Spirit, would you highlight what we need to hear, each of us? Would you help me to speak clearly and truthfully? Use these words, use this message today for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So the big idea today, what's, what's, what, what's the main thing I want us to learn today is this. Jesus' temptation in the desert reveals the spiritual battle we're in. That's firstly, it reveals the spiritual battle that we are all in and that we are to use the word of God to defend ourselves and attack dark powers. See those two things there? Jesus' temptation in the wilderness reveals to us the battle that we are all in. And that we are to use the Bible, the word of God, the truth of the word of God, to defend ourselves and to attack dark forces. Let's just dig a little bit into that. I don't know if you remember, it depends what country you're from, what nation you're from, but in the UK, back in the 70s and 80s, we had what was called the Green, do you know the Green Cross Code? Raise your hand if you don't know the Green Cross Code, what it means, okay? 
even the young people. You don't know the Green Cross card. They didn't teach you this in school. What is going on today? You probably just didn't pay attention. Green Cross Code, where there was also called the Green Cross Code Man. Do you remember him? And the Green Cross Code Droid as well. And he would go out on his, on his mission as this, a superhero. And by the way, he was played by, what was his name again? David Prowse, who also played Darth Vader. You've heard of him. That's it. It's like one of those geeky things. Can you tell me when David Prowse was born and where he was born? Everyone, you know, can quote these things. Anyway, um, he played Darth Vader, but Green Cross Code Man, and often accompanied by Green Cross Code Droid, would go out to children crossing the road and remind them, before they did something silly, of the Green Cross Code, which was stop, look, listen, and think. You need to know this, guys, all of you, okay? Particularly if you're walking down that road, I've talked about this before, particularly if you're walking down the road on your phone. Stop at the side of the road, please. Look both ways. Listen if there's anything coming. And think, is this a safe place to cross? And is it good to do so? Now go, okay? Because we don't want you being knocked over by a car. Now, the point being is that, and I, and I, I can remember, I paid no attention to this, as you could imagine, couldn't you? Me as a child, I would re regularly do stupid things on the road. I'm surprised I didn't come more of a cropper. I remember once riding down the road on my bicycle, and for some silly reason, I was staring down at the tyre thinking, that's an interesting pattern. Why would I do this? And I went straight into the back of a car. I remember that shot, straight into the back of a car. I remember one occasion, again, coming home from school, I, uh, there were two cars parked. I didn't stop. I didn't look. I didn't listen. I didn't think. I just went sprinting through these two cars. And just as I, uh, just as I sort of, it was like Indiana Jones. You know, I was kind of flying, da, 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 like just flying through these cars. And this car just missed me, like, tiny bit, and I'm surprised I didn't come more of a cropper. I didn't stop. I didn't look. I didn't listen. Green Cross Code Man, and he said this. One of his things was, I use the Green Cross Code because I won't be there when you need to cross the road, is what he said. And for good reason, Break the Road Safety Charity tells us, when I looked this up this week, that every 16 minutes in the UK, someone is killed or seriously injured on the roads. Now, that could be driving, it could be crossing the road, and so on. Now, I think you can see, every 16 minutes, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Five people die, and 84 people are seriously injured every day on the roads. That's quite something, isn't it? And isn't it surprising that the news isn't full of it, when you think about those statistics? It's like a war, isn't it? But it's somehow we just accept it, and it's fine. The point I'm making is this, is that there are true dangers, and we can pay more attention to the things that aren't true dangers. It's good to be thoughtful and protect ourselves in many ways. But the truest dangers are things like this, driving our cars and crossing the road. These are the biggest dangers that most of us will face from week to week, day to day. But perhaps we are not really stopping, looking, listening, and thinking. Maybe we are not 
paying attention. And this is not a message, although I think it's important to give you that message because it is a true danger. But actually, the truest danger and the deepest dangers are the spiritual dangers of the dark spiritual forces and powers at work in our world that we are not necessarily paying attention to. We're not thinking about these things. So Jesus' temptation in the wilderness reminds us that we are in a spiritual battle, every one of us. And spirit-filled people, it says here, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. So let's not think for a minute just if it's bad people or something. Or every one of us, no matter how, if we are the, 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 walking closely with God, all of us will face temptations. And that's good news, right? Temptations are faced by everyone. Jesus himself was tempted in every way, as we are. The temptations you face, I face. We all face temptations. That's why we need to support each other, have friends we can be honest with, with each other. Hope we've got friends we can talk about our temptations with because the devil wants secrecy and God loves to bring things into the light and you find that, as an aside, if you confess your temptations and sins, which are different, obviously, there's a break in the power of it when you walk and have a friend with you in that. So I encourage you to have a friend that you can talk to. That's why it's so good to be in community groups as well, isn't it? Not isolated as Christians, but we have friends in the church that we can talk with and share our temptations with. But spirit-filled people like Christ, none of us are immune to the spiritual battle. In Ephesians 6.10, we're reminded, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the authorities of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. And he goes talks about the armor of God. We, if we're not going to fall over, if we're not going to be knocked over, if we're going to take our stand, firstly, we need to be aware of the battle that we're in. But secondly, we need to be aware of the weapon, the there's many weapons we can use, but we could summarize them principally in two things, prayer and the Word of God. Those are our two principal weapons. For, so, for example, we could talk about the Lord's Prayer that says, keep us from temptation, deliver us from evil. And I want to encourage you, and I've said this many times, because uh, it, it, the proverb says, my son, listen, listen to wisdom. And now I'm nothing, no, no, I'm nothing, okay? I'm not saying listen to Matt. I'm not, I, I'm not saying, I, I don't get, I'm not getting petulant or anything. The word of God says, listen to wisdom. Listen to its wisdom. And we're like children in Proverbs talks to, my son, listen to my wisdom so that you do not fall into trouble of various kinds. 
And so I, I want to say to you, friends, based upon Christ here and his teachings, pray every day that you will be kept, kept from temptation because you need protection through prayer. And if that's not something you're, you're yet doing, then just pray the Lord's Prayer every morning as part of your daily devotions and pray into that. Keep me from temptation today, Lord, because you need it and he will protect you. But the main weapon we're looking at today is the word of God. And Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy on three occasions, on this account, he quotes the word of God back to Satan, the accuser, the tempter. He uses the word of God as a shield, as a sword, as a weapon. We could summarize the armor of God as using the word of God. Because all of the features of the armor are basically applying the truth to ourselves, which is in Scripture. And if we don't know the Word of God, Susie, well done that you knew Proverbs 4.23. Again, I'm, I'm trying to, I want to encourage you to have a, a practice of memorizing Scripture. Have a practice of it, because you're gonna, we need it like a shield, and like a sword. We need to be able to use the Word of God for the various temptations and occasions that we need it. You need, you, do, you, do you need encouragement in the week? Do you ever get down in the week? Do you ever get like, oh, I'm just fed up with life, I'm fed up with everything? Do you ever get like that? I mean, I feel that on a regular basis, guys. And I need to say, to, I need to talk to, not just talk to myself, I do need to talk to myself, but let's not remember, forget that often behind that are dark satanic forces that are tempting me and you to be despairing when we should be, of all people, hopeful and joyful because we know the living God and our sins are forgiven. We know the love of the Father in our lives. doesn't mean to say we don't suffer with depression. I appreciate that. But we should all have hope. And the word of God we need to use as a weapon, purposefully. We learn those two things, don't we? We're in a war and we lose the word as a weapon. Jesus is tempted, firstly, to turn stones to bread. I'm only going to be able to cursorily go over these. He's tempted to turn stones to bread. He says, let's read that again. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those 40 days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Now what's going on here? Jesus is led by who into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit. So we could say God is leading Jesus, the Son of God, into the wilderness. Jesus is showing us Great humility, isn't he? He's the Son of God. He is God the Son, the incarnate God. We believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yet even Jesus himself was prepared to be led 
by. In this world of pride and I won't be led by anybody, Jesus himself shows us great humility as he's led by the Holy Spirit and as he's led by the Father in his life. Jesus does nothing except in obedience to the Father. Everything he does, he says, I see the Father doing. We've just seen prior to this the Holy Spirit come down on Christ. And he's now going to be led by the Holy Spirit every day and in everything. Now, the, that meant he was being led into the wilderness to fast and be tempted. It's a mysterious thing. Satan comes to him and says, don't believe the word of God. Don't believe the word of God that says to you, son, I want to lead you into the wilderness right now. This is, this is my will for you, to go to fast in the wilderness. Satan is saying, I, I, I think you, you're the son of, if you are the son of God, come on, if you're the son of God, you don't have to do what you're told, do you? You don't have to be bossed around, do you? If you're the son of God, you can turn these stones into bread if you are the son of God. Let me play on your pride if you have it, which he doesn't. He's tempted by it. Let me pray, play on your fear. You're hungry in the wilderness. And this is referring back to Jesus is enacting the story of uh, Israel in the wilderness for 40 years where they failed to obey God. They failed to trust God. They got hungry and rather than trust God that he would provide, they became angry, slanderous. They said, we should go back to Egypt. Jesus won't fail. Jesus doesn't go his own way and trust his own word and his own will. Jesus lives on the word of God. No, I'm going to trust God's word. I'm going to trust he will provide in good time. I'm going to trust that this time of fasting, although it's painful and difficult, it, I know it's his will, so I'm going to endure it. I'm going to trust God's word. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word. I'm going to trust his word, and that's true for us, right? Are we going to trust our word and our wisdom and our will and our way, or are we going to trust in God's word, his will, his way? Which means we need to read it, know it, and obey it. Moving on. Second temptation, as I said, I'm only touching on these briefly. The temptation to false worship. We carry on reading in verses 5 to 8. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him, in an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
And this is true for all of us. We, at our weekend away, talked about worship. Worship is what we give most worth to. What we give our hearts, our wills, our times, our passion to reveals what we give, believe is of most worth in our lives. God is of most worth and beauty, therefore he is worthy of all that we are. We live for him, we serve him, we sing our praise to him, we speak our praise to him, we serve him in every aspect of our lives because he is of most worth. And Satan is saying, no, worship me and I'll give you all this stuff. We don't actually know. Satan is a liar. We don't know how much is true about this, how much he can actually give and so on. Regardless, it doesn't matter. He's being offered by Satan these things. And he's being tempted in a very real way by Satan, by false worship. It's rather like Edmund in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, if you know that story. Edmund, along with his brothers and sisters, are, are prophesied and promised that they will rule in Narnia. And I'll read you the, uh, the quote. When Adam's flesh and Adam's bone sit at Care Paravel's throne, the evil time will be over and done. And you can hear the biblical story in there, the biblical idea of, of, of evil coming to an end and so on. It's a wonderful idea. But Edmund is tempted to false worship, isn't he? The white witch comes to him and says, oh no, worship me, obey me, do my will, and I will make you a king and prince in Narnia. And you know it ends up with him in a dungeon, miserable, cold, and facing death. And this is like Satan here, you see. Jesus, if you will worship me, I'll give you so much more than your father can give you. I'll give you so much more than your father can give you. It's like Adam and Eve, you see. It's, this, it's again, a, a very much an enactment of that. Satan was in the Garden of Eden, right? He offered Adam and Eve, if you will obey me, if you will, you could say, worship me, you will have true knowledge, you'll become like God. And the world that we know it is in now, the state that I talked about, the darkness and the mess, is due to that false worship. And Satan knows if he can get Jesus to obey him and, and worship him, do his will, that he would have won the battle. And Jesus obviously refutes him. But we are all offered false worship all the time. We are, what will we give most worth to in our lives? Every time we're tempted, it's an opportunity for false worship. When we're tempted to look lustfully, to pick on something that I'm sure we all struggle with. It's an opportunity to worship God or worship the flesh to objectify men and women and to not be faithful, isn't it? 
when we, when, when we look lustfully or commit sinful acts in regard to sex, we're worshipping God, a, a false God, and a demonic lie that Satan and his ways, these ways of the flesh, are going to be more joyful and happier. You're going to rule in a sense. Your life will be better if you go that way than if you go God's way. We're offered that every day. Every time we're tempted, will we worship the Lord, serve him, trusting in a true life and true victory that, that obedience gives, true joy? Or will we go the way of Satan and worship him and end up like Edmund in a miserable mess with regret? Jesus refutes him. I will worship the Lord only. May that be said of us. I will worship the Lord only. Moving on quickly. Jesus is tempted to put God to the test finally. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Oh, you see, now Satan is using the Bible. He's probably memorized it better than us, right? Unfortunately, may it not be the case so that we can refute him, because he can use the Bible against us. If you are the Son of God, he says, and he quotes the Bible, it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, this, this, this is a true promise. This is a promise of God, you see. He will command his angels concerning you. This is a promise that God is looking after us. It doesn't mean to say that life is all easy. I mean, Jesus is in the wilderness here, being tempted by the devil, and he's hungry in the wilderness, right? So there are difficulties in life. But even so, in our lives, he will command his angels concerning us. Jesus has made that great promise. No one can snatch you out of my hands. John 10, 27 to 30. My Father, you've, you've been given to me by the Father. None of you could be snatched out of my hand. That's a wonderful promise. But what the promises of God are not designed for us to live a kind of, um, kind of mission impossible life where we, we live daring and crazy and are reckless. God's care for us doesn't mean to say we are reckless and prayerless. God's Promises for us mean that we can walk in wisdom in our lives and without fear, knowing that God will protect us. Throwing ourselves off of cliffs, as it were, is not God's will for us. Rather, it's to say, as you go about your work this week, as you go about your life, as you go about yourself, I'm promising I'm going to look after you, I'm with you, and this is a wonderful truth. But Satan twists this. He twists this around and challenges him. Will you throw yourself off this cliff? And he talks about tempting him, you see. This is what Satan is basically doing, is this. When we, testing God means this. 
If I throw my... I, I, so somebody says to you, how do you know God loves you? Prove to me God loves you. To test God is to say, if God answers my prayer about a new job, then I know he loves me, right? That's, a t- that's testing God. If I pray for, for my, my, uh, this problem and it goes away, then I know he loves me. Satan is saying, if you throw yourself off that cliff and God protects you, then you know God is true. I hope I'm making sense here. Testing God is to base our faith upon him doing things for us. I will trust God if you do this, in other words. And many of us struggle with this. I will trust God if he does this. I know he loves me if he does this. I know he cares for me if he does this. That's not how we're to live. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. No, we trust God no matter what. That's faith. We trust God no matter what. We're not going to say, if he does this, then I know he loves me. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So we've seen here, and the band's going to come up now, we're going to worship. We've seen here a couple of things. There is a war, and that like Christ, we're to use the word of God to defend ourselves. It says here that Satan left him and waited for an opportune time. Satan looks, sorry to scare you as it were, I hope it doesn't scare you, but as I said to you about the roads, okay, they're a very real danger. To, 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 to pull my punches and to say there isn't a danger is to not love you. There is a very real danger. Satan waits for an opportune time to tempt us when we're tired, when we feel lonely, when we feel discouraged. When we're being lazy, late at night, watching television on your own, tired, maybe a bit discouraged, a bit flat, what shall I watch? Something good, something not. Amen. Satan looks for an opportune time. Will we be aware of the spiritual battle and take it seriously? And secondly, will we use the word of God to defend ourselves? And a simple application would be, to make sure we know the word of God so we can actually defend it ourselves. Please, brothers and sisters, I appeal to you in the name of wisdom and as your pastor and as someone who loves you, I appeal to you not to rebel against God's ways and his word and will, that you learn his word You memorize it and you use it. Don't rebel against that. They say that sound that's a bit harsh. Sorry. Don't use the word of God. How will you defend yourselves? So what would you do? Like like you're tempted. Okay, I just used that example earlier. I didn't plan to say this, but okay. So you're, you're tempted at late at night to watch porn. This would be, this would be concrete about the, the, the temptation and the sin. You're tempted late at night to watch porn. What, 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 
What, I, what truth would you use? If you, what text of scripture or what truth would you use to defend yourself? Shout something out. Yes, brilliant. Don't you now know, 1 Corinthians, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? That would be a great one, Susie, wouldn't it? And in so doing, can you see, what, what happens is also this, that tempt, temptation is one of those, it's, it, I won't get too much into it, but even by, even by changing your mind and focus onto a, onto a truth, and saying to yourself almost, I am being tempted to do this. I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. And I say, Matt, don't you know? You yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. By the time I've said it like that, that has lost its power. Confessing it. The truth. And we could go on. I, I, we could pick lots of examples. But I do hope, brothers and sisters, that you've got, as, as David, remember he picked up ten stones in his bag and he went before Goliath and he used one stone. But you know what if he missed? He had ten more. He had nine more. I hope your bag is full of stones of the truth of Scripture so that when the devil confronts you, as he will and as he does, in sly ways... You can pick that stone up and hit him between the eyes with the truth of God's word. So Jesus' temptation in the desert teaches us of the battle we're in and to use God's word as a weapon. Let's stand and let's worship together. I said, though I walk upon the